turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11 tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, when God brought Israel into the promised land that was flowing with milk and honey, He told them these words. He said, Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commandments. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land flowing, or a land with flowing streams, a land of wheat and barley, a land where you may eat bread without scarcity, where you will lack nothing. You shall eat your fill and bless the Lord your God for the good land that He has given you. Take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep His commandments. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your hearts and flocks have multiplied and your silver or gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord God, but remember the Lord God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. If you do forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve and worship them, I solemnly warn you that today that you shall surely perish. And we know the story. Israel very often forgot God. The Exodus generation that God brought out never entered the promised land at all. And now, God's promise of an eternal rest has come to us. What hope do you and I have of entering? If the key to entering the rest is remembering, and we so often forget, from what can we draw our confidence and our hope? And as Solomon brings this book about the meaninglessness and futility of life under the sun and the brief vapor that it all is, when put against the backdrop of eternity to a close, he's not despairing. That's not what's been happening here. That's not what Solomon has been doing. He's simply been cataloging for us the reasons why we lament here and why it often makes sense to do that when we consider all these things. So we have a book where there's finally someone who doesn't try to give trite answers to the deepest questions and concerns that we have. That's why his message here is so important. He's actually urging us to enjoy our lives under the sun, to rejoice so long as we remember our Creator. So he closes with this command that we not forget God. But when the world is so against us, in other words, why would that be the final exhortation or the penultimate exhortation Not to forget God because that's going to be the tendency in such a world. When life here is so difficult and transient and fleeting, can we remember? And what happens to us if we forget? Solomon's book and his commands cry out for a Savior. Our lives and the lot we've each been given under the sun may be enjoyed when we remember that God will not forget us. So let's pray. Father, tonight we are thankful for your word. God, it holds us together. It makes us what we are, for it is the word of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, watch over me tonight. Watch over my mind and my mouth. Sanctify me for this message. Enable everyone to hear and to understand. And I ask and pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to begin in verse 7 of chapter 11. He says, light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. 
all that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Solomon has reminded us that there are disasters and disquiets and difficulties in the world in chapter 11 because of the nature of what this world is in its fallen state. We must remember this because that's a lot different than saying if something bad is happening to us, God must be punishing us. Often the evidence doesn't support that and we don't even know that. Instead, Solomon is teaching us here not to be so neurotic. In verse 7, he reminds us that light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. That doesn't sound like the Solomon we followed for 11 chapters now, but it is. He's not a pessimist. That's not what Ecclesiastes is. This is a reminder that in the midst of the disasters and difficulties that may befall us under the sun, there is still a pleasure and a sweetness to living that we're meant to enjoy. We're meant to enjoy this life, beloved. And that might sound funny now after everything Solomon has said, but we don't live without hope. He never said that. It isn't a sin to enjoy life under the sun. We aren't meant to live in misery. We're just supposed to be mindful of why things are the way they are and who it is that made things that way because the one who did loves us with an everlasting love. So for the seventh and now the final time in Ecclesiastes, Solomon tells us explicitly, explicitly to rejoice. That's been seven times in a book like Ecclesiastes. This time rejoice in our years in verse eight. He comes back to the theme of joy in the provisions and gifts of God to us in our lot. He's basically saying, don't take the moments you're given for granted. Enjoy the present. Enjoy the time you're given. But remember, the days of darkness will be Many, all that comes is vanity. This isn't necessarily ominous per se, but it acts as a reminder that things will sometimes be well. And when they are, we should rejoice and enjoy them. Enjoy what can be enjoyed here. It's a divine thing to do that. But just don't forget the way the world is because things will also be hard. There will be difficult things that are not enjoyable at all. So enjoy what you can Because someday that sweet light in verse 7 will dim, become dark. So don't waste any time. It would be wise to make a conscious effort to enjoy every day, all the while remembering, or all the more by remembering, that the days of darkness under the sun will be many. The light of the sun may be sweet, but it isn't going to keep the darkness from coming. So rejoice and remember, don't live your life in such a way that you have to look backwards to find reasons to rejoice in what is past. Enjoy the days you have while you are in them. He says all that comes is vanity. It's a vapor, a puff of smoke. Life is fleeting. Don't waste any time. So Christians don't want to be Tigger, right? You know Winnie the Pooh. Don't be Tigger. Don't be a completely aloof buffoon. I can't stand Tigger anyway. And don't be Eeyore. Right? Don't be a completely pessimistic downer. Rejoice and remember. But we tend not to count the days when we're young, right? We, we, when we're young, um, 
We aren't even aware of the fact that as each day passes, we're moving closer to those days of darkness. We don't even think about it. The future feels so big. So he turns to the young specifically in verse 9. That's what's driving his thinking. Look at that verse again. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. That's the moment. But know that for all these things, God will bring you in to judgment. So here's the idea of verse 8 expressed now as a command, right? Enjoy what is present before your eyes. Solomon has talked about this before in 6.9. So don't wait to enjoy your life until later. You know, God, it's again, it's God that gives time, God that has created time. So whatever time you're in, whatever season you're in, live like that's where you are and enjoy where you are. We live so anxiously for the future or over the past. And Solomon would have us, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, live in the moment where we are, the time and season we're in. So, young people, don't wait to enjoy your life until later. Don't live saying, well, once I have my own car, once I find that special somebody, once I finish college, once I've landed the job that I want, then I'll be able to enjoy things. He says, no, 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 enjoy the life you've been given today. Enjoy it while you're young Just know, just keep in mind, for all these things, whatever we do when we're young, God will bring us into judgment. Oh, well, that seems to go back on what he just said, but but what is he driving at here? Don't indulge the sinful desires of your flesh because you're young and you want to have the experiences before you get too old. That's such a tragic mistake we make when we're young, isn't it? We, We think that we have to experience certain things just to know them, just to know what they're like and just to feel them, and that's... The main way we get ourselves into trouble and do things that we'll regret and that haunt us for the rest of our lives. We just want to have experiences because the moment isn't sufficient. The life and breath we have isn't sufficient, so we always want more. Our lives are laid open before God. All of our days are laid open before God. God is not against our joy, however. God is against our joy in the things that will dishonor Him and destroy us. God is against that type of enjoyment. But God does not prohibit enjoyment. It's not an evil thing. He prohibits sin. And sin and enjoyment don't always go together. There can certainly be enjoyment without sin. I'd say the majority of enjoyment in life comes apart from sin. But don't enjoy the things that lead only to pain and sorrow and could even lead to our condemnation. God is aware of everything we're doing when we're young. So this isn't a license to exploit others. It's not an invitation to hurt our own bodies. But neither is that the final part of that verse meant to lessen the command to have joy or to rejoice. But as Brown says in his commentary on Ecclesiastes, to underscore and direct that rejoicing, that enjoyment. God's not giving with one hand and taking away with the other here. He's simply telling us to enjoy our lives, but in so doing, don't destroy yourself. He's given us gifts to enjoy, and God wants us to enjoy them. So we read in verse 10 to the young person, Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity, a vapor. Youth is here for one moment and gone the next. I realized this year, I I I was the... Senior class president in my high school, and I never planned a reunion. And I think that the president is supposed to do that. So that's how much of a buffoon I've been most of my life. But I'm almost 30 years out from graduating high school. 
When I was in high school, I thought 30 like you were dead. That was it. If, if you, that was like the oldest a person could be. My, my grandparents weren't even real, right? To be that. So I just, I can't believe it's been 30 years since I graduated from high school. My kids aren't 30. I mean, it's just, we, we, we don't realize how quickly time is passing while we're experiencing it. You know, and, and now that I have kids, I understand what adults have, you know, older adults have always said. Enjoy that time, savor it. It'll be gone so fast. I wish we could realize that while the time is passing and, and didn't just realize it when it's over that, oh my goodness, five, eight, ten years have passed, right? It's just, I can't believe that. But that's how time works. So he's saying, while we're still able, remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. He's saying, don't be anxious when you're young about aging and dying. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus said that, remember? To be young is vanity. It's so fast. It's such a mist. The dawn of life, the early years are a vapor. James calls all of life. He says a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And so what is God's counsel for us in those young years that pass so quickly? Savor them because for life is vanity. Because it's a vapor. Because it will pass so fast. I, I, I was, uh, I forget who I was talking to. I think it was just yesterday. Yeah, I was talking to Doug Kenny. When you're young, the things that you do when you're young, that you just, you have no idea the risk that you're taking or the, the stupidity and foolishness of what you're doing. But there's also a certain divine sweetness in all that. My friends and I, my, my good friend, when I lived in Dresden in Ohio, John Foster, one night co-opted his grandmother's full-size van. And we ramped the railroad humps in Dresden. I don't know how much air we got. I, I do know that I think I broke both of my elbows flying up in the air as we jumped these tracks. And then we had no idea that we could have destroyed his grandma's van, killed ourselves, maimed ourselves. No idea. But we enjoyed it. It was fun. There's all kind. Every, I think everybody has stories like that, things that you did. And the, the beautiful thing about youth is that it doesn't even have to be something significant. That, that you, you find the whispers of God in just laughing. And just how much fun it is to gather around people that you love and that love you and that you care about and they care about you and you like each other just to laugh like clowns for hours on end, sitting around a fire or watching a game or something. It's just those are divine things. Those moments are given to us by God to be enjoyed. These exhortations to rejoice are serious. Don't become preoccupied with the future. Savor the moment you're in. Don't let anything diminish the joy of your youth. How do we stay grounded in the midst of all this? Look at 12.1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. That's an also. Enjoy and remember before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Notice here he doesn't say remember God, which is, of course, who the Creator is. But he says remember your Creator. Remember the one who made you and gave you everything you have. He gave us our lives. He gives us our lots. It's God who created our family and friends. It's God who placed us where we live. He provides our food and our drink. It's our Creator who gives us wisdom and knowledge and joy back in 226, wealth and possessions, and enables us to enjoy them. 
back in 519. And it's by reflecting on Him that we might truly enjoy our lives. God didn't put us here to punish us and make us miserable, but to fix our eyes on Him and enjoy what He has made. Remember, it was all very good. The design was to live in it, for us to live in it forever. So, yes, the world is cursed and fallen, and the lives we live in them is passing away. But when all is made new and whole, we're simply returning to His originally intended paradise with the added gift of our Savior to be our Son. God would not have us forget what we were created for. And when we enjoy our lot, we are remembering what we were created for. It's divine. Family gatherings are divine. Right? Thanksgiving, all all those wonderful things. We don't worship God best then when we pull away from the world and sit and wait, you know, for the fire to fall. We worship our God best when we enjoy the lives He's given us under the sun because that is, in such a world, a recognition of His Lordship over us and His intention for us. So remember your Creator all your life, but especially when you're young because you're going to get old. The most important thing then a younger person can do is not pick their career or their spouse or their college. All very, very important things, but not the most important thing. The most important thing is to remember their Creator We ask young people all the time, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? Do you remember your Creator? Do you remember Him? He's there. He made you. He made the world you're going to grow up in and get old in. Do you remember Him? Before the days set in that make it harder to see the light and enjoy things. That's what He's talking about. Days are coming where there isn't much to be enjoyed per se, or it's harder to enjoy things. It's as we get older there, I think it becomes harder to find pleasure in things, not straight across the board. Certainly not. It's not like as, as we get old, we can't enjoy anything. It's that getting old is getting old. So you, you, you've been to the show, you've seen what's behind the curtain. You've become a little less starry eyed, right? That, that, that comes with age. Reality sets in that that's so often when I talk to my kids, uh, such a big part of our conversation is that, that I, I know that you want it that way, but the world doesn't work like that. And I hate to tell them that. I hate to tell them that. But the fact of the matter is the world we live in is very hard. And the older you get, the more that hardness comes front and center in our lives. You know, there's a whole different vibe to life when you don't have to pay bills. You know, when you don't have to buy groceries and worry about a place to live and all that's just provided for you. And the Lord would say, don't don't punish yourself for that. Enjoy it. Take advantage of it. Just how when I was young, I heard and now I hear older people say this phrase all the time. And now I think I understand. But just let kids be kids. That's one of the wisest things that human beings can say. Just let them be little kids. I'm not telling my boy he won't ever develop superpowers. We're not having that conversation, right? He thinks he will. So rock on. That would be great. Make some money, stop some tragedies, pass it on to mom and dad. That would be wonderful. (laughs) But I think 
illusions fade as we get older. The closer that we move to our death, the more we realize that death is coming. When you're younger, it it is easier, and rightfully so, to put that off and not really think about it. And so maybe as we age, what happens is we begin to long for true pleasure, lasting pleasure. And so the pleasures the world offers have less meaning to us, maybe. The things of the world begin to fade. That ache in us deepens as we age. And the wisest man who ever lived besides our Lord Jesus would have us go into those years mindful of our God, having remembered Him, rather than trying to find Him then in the midst of more difficult days, right? I think that's what Solomon is driving out here. The evil days, these evil meaning dark days of, of pain and suffering when you can't just put away pain from your body, right? When you wake up with it, when it's, it's there when you sit down and when you stand up, you can't put away vexation from your heart as easily when you're older like you could at least when you were younger, right? Remember your creator, Verse 2, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. That comes in light of chapter 11, verse 7. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun, but those things are going away. Those things are going away. Light is sweeter when you're young. The sun is more pleasant when you're young. You feel like you have forever. But the most worthwhile thing a person can do in those years of their life is to remember the one who made them. Christianity is not making a decision between enjoyment and religion. Right? The call to rejoice is also alongside the call to remember your creator. That there is a way to enjoy the light, enjoy the life we're given that's divine and good and right. In other words, like I was alluding to earlier, we remembering our Creator is the means by which God would protect us from the things that destroy us even when we're young. There are errors we can make now that will, again, that will haunt us for the rest of our lives under the sun in the world, whether or not we're forgiven for them. The pain, the guilt, that may all still linger. And beloved, there are consequences to things that's just the natural part of being alive. It's not like God is thumbing us in the eye. It's that, look, there are Pleasures you can experience that might be good in the moment, but later on they're going to hurt. And the hurt lasts a lot longer than the moment of pleasure did. God is is not, again, I want to stress that, He's not against enjoying your life. Not even just the felicity of being young, which is a wonderful thing. Just don't destroy yourself. And the key to that is remembering your Creator. Again, the the, the most worthwhile thing a person can do in the years of their life where everything is basically pleasant and sweet is to remember the one who made them. When awful things happen to kids, what do we say? That, That somebody has stolen their innocence. Somebody has taken their childhood away from them. It is one of the biggest tragedies in all creation. To take that from a child. To rob that from the young. right? And such a hard line to walk as parents. You know, what what do you allow? What do you prohibit? You want to facilitate their enjoyment, but you don't want them to destroy themselves. Remember your creator. Remember your creator. It's a very good thing for people when they're young to realize that they are not the be all end all. That the sun does not revolve around them. That's not what enjoyment is. Let me enjoy whatever I want. No, 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 no. 
I want you to enjoy what's meant to be enjoyed. Some things are not meant to be enjoyed. And we'll find that out as we experience them. But young people need to know they're not the captains of their fates. They're not the masters of their souls. That's their creator. Right? See how that tempers that entire fleshly impulse to live your own life, do what you want to do. What we need to remember, especially when we're young, not that we don't want to remember it when we're old, but remembering it when we're young facilitates remembering it when we're old, is that God is real and He made us for His purposes that are far beyond our own. So what Solomon does here, I'm going to read verses 1-7 through seven of chapter 12 together now because this is one long poem about the day of our deaths. That's what this is about. Solomon would have us linger in these metaphors, think about this. Everybody in the room, young, old, doesn't matter. Solomon would have us linger in these metaphors, work it out in our own hearts, the fact that we're going to die. Right? When you're young, remember your Creator and rejoice in all that you can because the days will come that you may not have any pleasure in being alive. And then your funeral arrives and your spirit goes to be with God. Look at verse 1. Let's read this together. Or I'll read this, these seven verses together. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain and the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. And the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird. And all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails. Because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. Before, this is all remember your creator, before, now before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. So beloved, whether we're 5 or 10 or 17 or 30 or 50 or 96, our spirits will return to the God who gave them. Remember 11.5? We might not know the way the Spirit comes into our flesh and bones, but we do know that that Spirit will stand before God. And if we have not yet remembered our Creator, it will be very difficult to do so in the days of darkness. Faith will wane as time goes on, or it can. Cynicism might set in, right? We, we, and I understand, I'm not criticizing this, but we tend to suppress our cynicism as we age about our faith. There, there are questions we don't like to answer, topics we don't like to discuss with others because we feel the tension. We feel the frustration. There are things in life, even in the life of faith, that make us cynical. The years are coming that bring those pain and disasters, and they will, they, these are what chip away at us, tease us, batter us with the doubts and the pain that they Raised in us. So Solomon is being completely honest here about life under the sun. Rejoice and enjoy everything that you can because you're going to die. The days are going to darken. 
it will get very difficult to grasp the things of God then if we neglected to earlier in our lives. This is, listen, this is a depressing picture of the decline that takes place in old age. It really is. But he didn't mean, and I don't mean any of this to be insulting to those of us who are older. That's, that's not the point here at all. I doubt many of these things come as a surprise to you if you're much older. The strong legs that carry the man's body when he's young, they're bent in verse 3. The windows of our bodies, the eyes, they grow dim over time. In verse 4, we wake up earlier. I remember being a kid amazed at how early older people got out of bed in the morning. The idea of waking up at 4 or 5 in the morning is just insane to me. Right? I mean, and and when, when you're younger, all the more so. But then you know what? You get older and you want more of the day. Right? You, you, you desire more of the day. Sleeping becomes like, I, I wasted. As you get older, when you sleep in, you're like, I wasted the entire morning. A young person thinks they've wasted the morning if they get up early. Right? How could you do this to me? How could you get me up before 11 a.m.? Like, half the day is gone. But as we get older, we wake up earlier. He says, the sound of a bird snaps us out of our sleep as we get older. In other words, we don't rest well. We don't rest easily as we age. Teeth, grinders, that's the metaphor here. They can't chew hard food like they used to. Our voices can't sing as strongly or as loudly as they used to. Lower heights are fearful because as you get older, even a fall from a very low place can kill you or, or damage you for the rest of your life. How many elderly people do we know that fall and break a hip and from there it's all downhill? Their lives just crumble after that. Right? That comes with age. It's safer to stay at home. Terrors are in the road. Don't go outside. The almond tree blossoms. In other words, our hair turns gray. When we were once agile and strong, now our bodies drag themselves along. Movement comes with great difficulty. Desire fails. All kinds of desire fails as we get older. The mourners are in the streets. Death is coming, he's saying. The old man is dying. Notice everything in verse 6. Everything is snapped, broken, shattered, right? And the dust returns to the earth as it was. And the Spirit returns to the God who gave it. Now verse 8, vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. So that's the sentence from chapter 1, verse 2, that bookends the book of Ecclesiastes here at the end. Why paint such a picture, Solomon? Why end it like this? To urge us to remember our Creator before it's too late. So what does he do in verse 7? He comes back to Eden, back to that language, back to the curse. And again, he says it in verse 8, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Everything's a vapor. The fact that life under the sun gives way to eternity, beloved, that's why God has made everything meaningless under it. What is the meaning of meaninglessness? Why is it there? To keep us from forgetting God. The same God who made everything a vapor here, even the good things we ought to enjoy, has also put eternity into our very hearts. 
And so we're placed in a world and in a brief life filled with joy, sorrow, and futility to long for the eternal of which God made us to partake. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We can't. Or at least we don't long for it to the measure that we should. We're told to remember our Creator, but we forget Him all the time. We all know we're going to die. That's not a revelation. It doesn't really affect us, though, with the gravity that it's meant to in God's Word. So, as this text forces us, beloved, to face the reality of our deaths and the shortness of our time as a mere vapor on this earth when placed against the backdrop of eternity, if we can't do this, if we fail at doing this, our hope is this, not in our remembrance of God, but in His remembrance of us. Remember your Creator is law. Beloved, recognize that when you read the Scripture. It's not the Mosaic law, that's not what I mean. It's a command. It's law. And we cannot perform the righteous requirement of the law. The commands to rejoice and to enjoy in all the appropriate ways, properly recognizing in everything all the goodness of God in our lots, the thrust of Ecclesiastes in light of our vanity, cannot be obeyed. Cannot be obeyed. We do not have the strength or the desire or the will in our flesh to do this. But the answer is not to say, great, I won't obey them then. I'll just live life how I want to live. The answer is to realize why God gave them. To realize that they must be obeyed because it's our Creator who gave them. It's the Creator saying, remember me. And to then, again, this is where the text will always take us. Throw ourselves at His feet for mercy. Because we cannot even obey this perfectly. The Old Testament's call to remember our Creator does not set its sight on our effort, but on God's promise. What exactly am I supposed to remember? Just who is my Creator? The God who promised Adam and Eve that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. My Creator is the God of Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's the God of Joseph and Moses, and David, and Solomon, and Elijah, and Elisha, of John the Baptist, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom He sent in His remembrance of His covenant to bless all the nations through the seed of Abraham. You see the word remember all through Scripture. God keeps doing what He's doing because He's remembering his covenant. We forget things. We neglect things. Our Creator will not. He will not. When you remember this God then, don't merely remember that He's there, that He exists. Remember that He is your Savior who has promised to redeem and to rescue you. This is the one thing we cannot forget. Not when we're young, not when we're old. The one truth that sits above all the others. He is our Savior. He's made promises. He will keep them. Beloved, there are times in our lives when we'll be prone to forget Him more than others. And maybe especially when we're young. And eternity feels very far away. Like it's not even a real thing. But it can also be easy to forget Him when we're old. And eternity feels very close. So close that it begins to frighten us. 
but this is our rock. He will not forget us. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. John 10, 27-30, that's our Lord Jesus talking. So beloved, as you consider the necessity of remembering your Creator all the days of your life and rejoicing in all that He has given, remember that our tendency to forget is not what determines our destiny. The God who cannot and will not forget His promise is who determines our destiny. So remember your Creator because this is the one who has promised not to forget you. Our lives and the lot we've been given under the sun really may be enjoyed as we remember that God will not forget us. That's the only true cause for rejoicing under the sun, beloved. The only one that lasts, whether I'm young or old. When we see our lives through the lens of His remembrance of us and of His covenant, we truly can rejoice, even counting it joy when we endure trials of various kinds. Since now He's revealed these are working for our good, that we might obtain a weight of glory that far surpasses any weight of the burden of living under the sun that we felt here. One more week in Ecclesiastes, and we'll be done. But this is the Word of God.